any junior and senior high uh, students that are in here now, this would be the time to slip out, follow Jeff to the, uh, to the fireplace room. I want to welcome you to week two of our series that we're calling Intentional Relationships. As I said last week, I've said so many times before, the kingdom of God is all about relationships. Relationships are the theater in which we live out our faith. We live out our faith through our interactions with, with others, with those around us. We know our faith is genuine when it becomes a reality in our lives as evidenced by the impact that it has on our relationships, how we love God and how we love people. And given the major importance that relationships have in our lives, it's not something that we can just leave to or that we should just leave to chance. To live out our faith in our relationships requires that we be intentional about it. Intentional means done, something that's done on purpose. It's deliberate. So in this series, we're looking at, at some of the, the, the main areas where it's especially important that we be intentional in cultivating the kinds of relationship that God wants us to have. How we can, and, and we're talking about how we can be intentional. Last week, we began the series with talking about our most important relationship of all, and that is our relationship with God. Um, that comes first. It's our number one priority, because if you don't get that right, then you don't get anything in your life right. If we miss that, we miss it on everything. Number one priority is our relationship with God. We talked about the fact that our, we have relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our relationship with the Father is available by grace and only by grace. We don't earn it. Not one of us deserves it. It's a gift that's made available through Jesus. And then we talked about our relationship with God the Son, Jesus, and how that defines us. We are defined by His righteousness as believers. It's not our past failures and faults and mistakes. It's not our past that defines us. It's our relationship with Jesus. His righteousness becomes ours. And then we talked about our relationship with the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and how the rela our relationship with the Holy Spirit is our key to kingdom living. He gives us the power and the authority to live and minister like Jesus did. So our relationship with God is our top priority. And if we don't get that right, then we don't get anything right. And then number two, our number two priority in our relationships then would be our family. That's what we're going to talk about today. And within the family, first it's our spouse and then our children. But today we're going to talk about our relationship with our families. And there's a lot of different directions. The scripture says so much about this. So many directions we could go in this morning. But I just want to focus this morning on three ways that we can intentionally love our families. Three things. They're very simple. They're not rocket science. But so often we miss it on these three things. So let's, let's talk about them this morning. <coughs> and the things that we're going to talk about really can be applied to, about any, to, to really any relationship in our lives. But we're focusing on the family this morning. Three ways we can intentionally love our families. And the first way is when we honor them. Honor our families. It means hold them in high esteem. 
Exodus 20.12, we're told in the Ten Commandments, is so basic and so important that God put it in His big ten, His top ten list. Ten Commandments, He says, Honor your father and mother. Then you will live long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. You want to live a long and full life? Honor your father and mother. We intentionally love our parents when we honor them. And I want to say, not because they deserve it. Fact is, they may, they may not. I was blessed. I had good parents. They deserve to be honored. Some of you aren't as fortunate. Some of you I know have horrible stories. But this simply says, honor your parents, not honor the ones who deserve it. Excuse me, I got a tickle in my throat, (coughs) and my water doesn't seem to be cutting it. Simply says, honor your parents, not the ones who who deserve it. It has to do with, with, all has to do with our approach and our attitude toward them, not how they treated us, not what they were to us. And, and, you know, the, the, the truth is some of our parents are deserving of, uh, of honor and some of them are not. But we're not told to differentiate. We're just told, honor your parents. If we do that, then we can leave them in God's hands. And whatever <clears throat> was wrong there in that relationship, God can take care of it. He's more able to do that than we, than, than we are. has to do with the heart, not our actions, but our heart. Look at Romans 12.10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. The context of this is primarily talking about believers, but it really does apply to our relationships in general and most certainly applies to members of our own family. In Hebrews 13.4, in the message translation, it says, Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. We honor our spouse. <clears throat> the way we honor our spouse is by honoring our marriage. We do that by guarding the sacredness, the sanctity of marriage, and by reserving sexual intimacy for a marriage between a husband and his wife. And by the way, it's something that God's serious about, that we honor our marriage relationship, that we honor our spouse. One way we do that is simply by being faithful to them and keeping ourselves only for them. And we honor our children by honoring our spouse because we're modeling marriage for them. We're modeling what it is. We honor them by giving them a a, a good model to follow. You know, my parents were married 65 and a half years. And in all those years, I don't remember one, not one instance where they modeled anything but honoring one another. I don't remember one time where, e- where I heard either of them say an unkind word to the other. Not once. Left us five kids with a model for how to treat your spouse. They disagreed with each other at times? Absolutely. But not once did I ever hear either of them dishonor the other in what they said, either two or about the other one. I'm sure they said things behind closed doors that, you know, they they wouldn't have wanted, but we never heard it as kids. They modeled, uh, 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 gave us a model of honoring uh, each other. 
Let's be intentional about how we speak to our family members, spouses, kids, our parents. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4.29. Honestly, this is something that's been a challenge to me throughout my life. I, remember, I, I can remember standing in, in the doorway at, at work one time years ago where the Lord just dropped this into me, into my heart, and I said, oh, no, because I used to be so good at one-liners that would just cut somebody down. And it's like, and, and I was, oh, I'm just joking. <clears throat> no, God nailed me on this one. But here we go. Ephesians 4.29, one of the hardest verses in the Bible. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If we could get this down... It would literally change every single relationship we have. If we could get this down, it would change every relationship we have. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of, our, out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. We intentionally love our family when the words we speak, both to and about them, are words that honor them, words that build them up. Our words are powerful. We can use them to either speak life or death. We can use them to either give hope or destroy hope. We can use them to either build someone up or tear someone down. Let me ask, which do we want for our family? Those that are closest to us. We want to build them up, to give them hope. We love our family by honoring them in what we do and say. Second way we can intentionally love our family is when we cherish them. Ephesians 5, <clears throat> Paul is speaking, and he's speaking to husbands, and he says, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. Cherish, I've got the definition there in your outline, is to protect and care for someone lovingly, to hold something or someone dear, to protect and care for someone lovingly, and to hold them dear. We cherish the things that we value. We hold dear the things that are important to us. We cherish the, the, the people that we cherish, we hold in our hearts because they are valuable to us. They're important to us. And we will go to extreme lengths not to let anything happen to them. We protect and we care for them. That's what we do for someone we love and cherish. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 tells us that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It always protects. We're intentional about loving our families when we cherish them, when we protect them. And it's not just talking here about physical protection. You know, we think, you know, someone goes up goes to hit some member of my family, I jump in and I, you know, I protect them, I stop that from happening. But it's not just talking about physical protection, but 
it's in the way also that we speak about them to other people. I mean, when, when, when you speak to others about your spouse, are you putting them in a good light or are you putting them in a negative light? Are you putting, are, 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 are your words praising them and giving honor to them or are they complaining about them and speaking to them in a way that looks, makes them look bad or look dumb? or anything like that. Same thing with how we talk about our kids, and the same thing with our parents. If we cherish someone, we're going to protect their reputation. We're going to guard how, how others view them. Now, I, 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 want, I want you to understand something here, though. When I talk about protecting someone, talking about protecting someone's reputation and not talking bad about them, I'm not saying that we ever hide or cover up abuse. Just in our culture, I've got to make that clear. I've got to make that clear. We're not talking about hiding or covering up abuse. If there's abuse going on, you need to let someone know. If, if, if you're getting beat up or if there's sexual abuse going on, you need to get out. You need to get to a safe place. You need to tell someone. I'm not saying we shouldn't report things like that, but what I'm talking about is when we go to our friends and we talk about our spouse, are we running them down by telling of all their failings and all their struggles and, oh, they did this, and you wouldn't believe they did that, and that kind of thing? Or are we making jokes about our kids? Are we making jokes at our kids' expense in, in, in front of others so they feel stupid or they feel embarrassed? Like I said, I had a good model for parents. I never once saw mom and dad ever do that. Let your language reflect the fact that you cherish your family. Let's speak to them in ways that builds them up and in ways that encourage them. Whether it's parents, spouse, siblings, kids, whatever the relationship is there. So we intentionally love our family when we honor them. And when we cherish them. And third, we honor our family when we respect them. When we show them respect. Respect is something that we don't see enough of in our country right now. I watched the, I'm going to get political. Not too political. But I just want to make an observation. I watched the... Uh, State of the Union Address, Tuesday night. And everybody saw it when the president went up, handed out the speech to uh, the vice president and then to the Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, you know, goes to shake his hand as he's turning and he just, he snubs it. He snubs it. Then we saw how she introduced him without the proper introduction but just said you know basically here's a president and then afterwards we saw her tear up the speech in in front of everybody as soon as everything was over and I thought this is what I thought I said my goodness you could forget everything that was said those actions right there summed up the state of the union 
There's no respect, no civility. We're, we've lost that in our country, and we need to get it back. There is the, 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 the name-calling, the derogatory remarks, the, 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 the nicknames given to people that we disagree with, and the, 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 the retribution, everything. It has got to stop, or this country is in trouble. We are in trouble. We need to be able to show respect to people. Too often it's not taught or modeled in the homes. We need to respect those around us, especially in our family. When you respect someone, you treat them as a human being created in the image of God, whether you agree with them or not. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, he's talking to husbands, he says, Be considerate. In other words, be understanding. Take into consideration their feelings, their viewpoint. Listen to them and hear what they're saying. Treat them as an equal partner. You know, value their opinion. So he's saying, be considerate of, uh, of, of your wife. And he says, husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. He says, husbands, treat your wife with respect in your actions toward her, in the words that you speak to her, in the tone of your voice, and the things you say about her, both when she's with you and when she's not. She's not your old lady. She's your wife. Proverbs 18.22 says, The man who finds a wife finds a what? Treasure. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Treat her like a treasure. Treat her like the treasure that she is. Check your heart's attitude toward her. And that agrees with, or that applies to whether or not, you know, you're, you're, you're getting along at the moment or not. Still, treat her with respect. Treat her like a treasure. To wives, Paul says this, Ephesians 5.33, to sum up, says, Each of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Note, both of these instructions, both to the husband and the wife, don't have any conditions attached to them. So once again, Paul doesn't say, respect them if they deserve it. He just says, Respect them. Let me give you a little secret. If you treat someone with respect, whether they deserve it or not, sooner or later they will begin to act worthy of respect. People have a tendency to rise to the level of our expectations of them. People have a tendency to rise to the, the or, or fall to the level of our expectations. And they tend, as time goes on, they tend to reflect our treatment of them. So you treat someone with respect, and sooner or later, chances are real good that they're going to start acting like they deserve it. So he calls for husbands to treat their wives with respect, wives to respect their husbands. And then he says... In Ephesians 6, 4, he says, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. In other words, it's another way of saying, treat your kids with respect. Treat them with respect. And if you're not convinced yet, wrap it up with one more verse, 1 Peter 2, 17. Respect everyone. That includes 
rather, I should say, is especially our families. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Yesterday, I watched the uh, IU-Purdue game, which did not turn out how we all wanted it to. <laughs> but um, Bobby Knight, everyone here, I'm sure, would, would have to know the story if you live in Bloomington. Bobby Knight was fired from IU basketball as head coach um, like 20 years ago. And he was hurt, he was angry, he, you know, for 20 years, he wouldn't step foot inside assembly hall. And yesterday, he walked out into the court for first time in 20 years to all kinds of cheers, all kinds of celebration, all, so everybody was so happy. And he was surrounded by former team members who had the utmost love and respect for him former team members that he had coached and, and had, had not just coached basketball, but coached in life. And um, one of the announcers said something to the effect of, of um, you know, when they were watching him surrounded by the players, a very emotional, very emotional moment. And one of the announcers says, this isn't just a coach with his, um, this isn't just a coach with his team, you know, former team members. This is family. You can feel the respect. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's the way it should. Did the guy have faults? Absolutely. He absolutely had his faults. He was not necessarily a model in every way of what a person should be. But he loved his team members, he loved his players, and he had their respect. Being intentional in our relationships starts, as we said before, with our relationship with God. If you don't have that down, that's where you start. Because he directs every other area. He affects every other area of our lives. That's first and foremost. But after that comes our family. Family is important. God designed the family because he wanted us to have the kind of care and support and community and fellowship that we need. When God created man, he said it's not good for man to be alone. So he created a woman to be his wife and designed them so that they could procreate and have children. That was God's plan. But the fact is we live in a broken world. And not everything goes according to God's plan. You know, sometimes things happen in our world that are horrible. And sometimes, you know, some tragedy happens or whatever, and sometimes we say things like, well, God must have a reason for it. No, God doesn't have a reason for everything that happens. God doesn't want everything to happen that happens. There's horrible stuff that happens that, that God had nothing to do with. But it happens because back in the garden when God created man and God created woman, mankind thought they knew better than God. And said, so, well, I know God said this, but yeah, that really does look good. I'm gonna, I, yeah, I, I'm going to eat from the, the one tree, the one tree in the garden. 
Everything else they could have for food. Everything else they could, but there's one tree. Parents, you know your kids. They have all these things they can do around the house, but if you tell them one thing to do, or not to do, you give them one thing not to do, what's that one thing they're going to do? It's the one thing they're told not to. That's what we did. And when we did, we invited all this other stuff into the world, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the sickness and death and, and everything that goes on. It's not God's will. God's will is that, that, that we would live in the perfect communion with him, in the perfect environment like he set Adam and Eve in the garden in the first place. That's God's will. And that's why Jesus came back to restore that, to heal the brokenness in our lives. To heal the, the, the lack of respect and the lack of cherishing and the lack of honoring. To heal the dysfunction. To heal the pain and the sickness and that there would be no more death. That's why Jesus came. To restore things back to the way they should be at the garden. Way, way, the way God created. Maybe you're thinking, well, how am I supposed to honor my parents after the way they treated me growing up? Or how am I supposed to, to honor this person? Or how am I supposed to respect my spouse after this? You've got to be kidding. They don't deserve it, and that's right. And those things may be true for you. But God doesn't tell us to live our lives based on who other people are or what they do. God wants us to live out of our identity in Christ. So we do what Christ would do. We do what God tells us to do. We live according to his word. We love our family. We honor them. We cherish them. We respect them, whether they deserve it or not. We do it because God says, do this. And we're intentional about it. And when you do that, you can let him handle the rest. You don't even have to say, but God, I'm going to do this, but it's not fair. He knows what's fair and what's not fair, and he can fix it. He can make things right. Let him handle it. He can do a whole lot better job than you and I can. Let's have the worship team come up. Let's the rest of us just bow our heads and close our eyes. We said before our relationship with God is the primary relationship. If you don't have a relationship with God through Christ and you want one, you can tell Him now. You can tell Him that you want a relationship with Him and that you want to surrender your life to Him. He stands with His arms wide open he doesn't care how much you've messed up the more messed up we've made our lives the faster we can run to him because he's the only one that can take away all of that and give us that relationship with his father Tell him that you want relationship with him. Tell him you want to surrender your life to him. 
You can do that right now. If you don't already have a relationship with Christ, with God through Christ, and you want one, and you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross and that he rose from the dead with everybody's eyes closed, just slip your hand up in the air right now to say yes to a relationship with Christ. We're just going to take a minute. We're just going to take a minute. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hands down. What I'd like you to do is pray with me. We're not going to have anybody stand up in front of everybody, but we just want you to pray with me. And invite everyone else here that's prayed this before, just pray with me now. Dear Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship with the Father. So I'm coming to you now. And I'm laying my sin at your feet. Forgive me. I don't even understand all of this. But I know I need you and I want you. So come into my heart and make me your child. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to do the things we talked about this morning. Teach me how to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.